You're listening to a resource from Alpine Bible Church. Alpine Bible Church exists to know Christ Jesus together and to make Him known. We are located in Sugar Creek, Ohio. For more information, visit our website at alpinebible.org. May Jesus be glorified in your life. Good morning. How are we doing? Now, I just have to say this, just because I've been saying it every morning, but we're having twins. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I debated if I should even say that, but it's the only thing that's been racing through my mind in the last week. I wake up, and I'll just start screaming, Jen, you know we're having twins? She's like, oh, I know we're having twins. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know there's people that's had twins, and... Um, so on and so forth, but it's totally different when you get told you're having twins yourself. You're like, oh my goodness, the house isn't big enough. I got to get rid of my car. I got to do this. Oh man. Anyway, um, we appreciate your prayers. We're excited. Um, it's a blessing, but uh, that's not why you're here. It's for me to share everything that's good that's going on in my life. Um, but let's go ahead and turn to James. James chapter 1. Starting in verse 19. Before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we, we come to you this morning, and we're so thankful for your presence, Lord. We, we're so thankful for who you are and what you have done in our lives. Lord, help us to never forget that or take that for granted, Lord. Help us to remain steadfast in our walk with you. Lord, we pray that this morning that you open our hearts and open our minds to what it is that you have for us, Lord. Convict us of the things that's in our lives that needs to change. Lord, help us to not just be people who come and hear your word and and clap and raise our hands and be excited. But Lord, help us to be people that do your word. Because we realize real faith comes from hearing the word, but also living that word out. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather together as a family under your word. Just bless this morning, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Starting in verse 19 of James 1, and then we're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 14 through 26 as well. So um, I know I don't have a lot of time, but we will get through this. Verse 19, it says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed 
in his doing. If anyone thinks he is, a religi- is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We go on to chapter 2 real quick, verses 14 through 26. It says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe. And shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This morning, as if you can't tell already, this seems like a very simple point. This seems very, we've all recognized this passage in our lives. We've all been told many times from the pulpit or we've read in devotionals or we even looked at ourselves in the mirrors and told ourselves, listen, we need to continue, we need to live out what it is that we say we believe. It's a common theme and a common message. But I just want to challenge us this morning as we look at this common theme and common message to question yourself. Are you just somebody who hears? Or are you somebody that hears and does the word of God? Because that's true and genuine faith. We live in a world of lies. We live in a world full of sin. We live in a world full of fake people. We live in a world where parents are murdering their kids because they don't want them. We live in a world where parents want nothing to do with their children at all. We live in a world where children are rebelling, not only against parents, but authorities in the world. We have 10-year-old boys dressing up as drag queens and parents helping their kids become whatever gender they want them to be. There was a post on my social media feed. I'll just say Facebook. Social media feed, so technical. Um, there was a post on my Facebook that one of my friends that I went to school with, that I would consider a man's man, he was, I mean, he knocked me out a couple times in football. I mean, he was, you know, but he made a post and he said, we'll be having a reveal party here in the next couple days. And I'm like, oh, like they're having a child. But the reveal party that they were talking about was, 
we're going to ask our kids what gender they want to be, and we're going to reveal to the world what it is that they want to be. Now, I don't know if he was joking or what he was doing, because he's known for sarcasm. But that makes me sick. Because here's reality. People are doing that. People are asking, child, what? Asking their kids. It's like me coming up to Lila and asking her what gender she wants to be. She don't even know what she wants for dinner. <laughs> she wants chocolate. No, she wants peanut butter. But she don't even know what she wants. <laughs> but yet, here we're asking kids to decide what gender they are. We're seeing an attack on God's word. We're seeing an attack against everything that God has created us to be. We're seeing a world that's full of sin. We're seeing pornography run rampant among parents, among children, among, and I say children, I'm saying children. We're seeing a culture where suicides among teens are becoming more and more normal. We're seeing a culture where people get to choose if they want to die or not. Where they're saying, you know what, because life is good right now, I want to die. I, th- I, I can't remember if this was Canada or somewhere, um, but there was this sense of you're allowed to decide if you want to be um, pretty much killed. Like a doctor will come and they will inject whatever it is into you that kills you, but you get to choose. There was this couple that chose that, you know what, right now things are so good, but we don't want to continue to get older and people take care of us, so guess what we're going to do? We're just going to allow our lives to come to an end. But they think it's great. They think they have the opportunity. People have the opportunity to decide what they want to do, right? They chose what it is that they want to do. We are seeing a culture that despises truth. We're seeing a culture that wants nothing to do with Christ. We're seeing a culture that has little to no affiliation with religion at all. I'm reading a a book about the Generation Z, which I don't even know where they get these letters from. G, Q, whatever we are. But there's this Generation Z, and they're saying the generation coming up, they're saying they're more and more going to be called the generation of nuns. And not nuns meaning they're going to be really good people. They're going to be, the generation of nuns is where they have no affiliation with any religion at all. And they're just saying all things are good, right? All things are good. It could be Jesus, all that's good. It could be this or that. It could be Muhammad. It could be Buddha. It could be whatever it is that we want it to be. But we have no affiliation with them at all. We just want to change the world. More and more prevalent, right? We're living in a culture that wants nothing more than to appease their own fleshly desires. We live in a culture where teenagers are doing challenges that involves snorting objects and seeing if they can get it out of the back of their throats and and teenagers eating Tide Pods. Now I know our first reaction is to laugh. Our Our first reaction is to mock. I've seen a lot of memes on my social media feed. I've seen a lot of memes about this mocking of this generation and saying, oh, they're going to eat Tide Pods, but then tell the, the, the world what it is that we need to do. But I want you guys to think about that for a second. We're seeing a generation that is eating Tide Pods. We're seeing a generation that is doing things that, yes, we can laugh at and mock at, but what you're ultimately seeing is a generation that's dying and going to hell, who has no value or no sense of value of their own lives. We're seeing parents allowing for these things to happen. 
And as we see these things, and as I challenge people that, that, that want to mock that, like, man, like, I couldn't imagine, like, those idiots are eating Tide Pods. I'm saying, well, what are we doing about it? What are, what are we doing about it? Are we just going to laugh at it and scroll through our feed and then make it sound like it's nothing? No, this is real. Like, this is a problem. It may be funny, but this is real. We're living in a culture where people profess one thing, but yet do a totally different thing than what it is that they believe. We're living in a culture where people will come and profess that they are this, Christianity or whatever it is, but yet on the backside in their own private lives, they want nothing to do with what it is that they say they profess. Fake people. We live in a world that's full of sin. This is nothing new. It's, it's, it's different forms, but this is from the fall of man. It started there. And this is the world and this is the culture that we live in. And I don't want to make this just some cliche statement, but I just want to say this. If there is a time for people, for believers, for believers to have a true and genuine faith, a faith that's real and active and is living, right now is that time. Families are broken because of sin. Fathers don't want to be fathers because of sin. Moms don't want to be moms because of sin. This is an issue, and this is a call for us as believers, if you are a believer here today, to be real and genuine with your faith and to live out the truth. That's what this world needs, is believers to be real. They don't need more guns and not more guns. They don't need more of this or not more of that. We don't need everyone just to change from homosexuality to not being a homosexual. We don't need those things. Those things are good. Those things will happen, but what we need is for believers to do what it is that they profess, because if If we did what it is that we profess, then we will see a generation, people coming behind us, that want to live in obedience to that truth. Because they see it in us. And so as we approach this text this morning in James, I hope and I pray that this convicts us so much that it moves you to not just be that person that comes and fills a spot. Or just being the church that says we have great Bible teaching because that's great, we do. And that's a, I'm telling you, that is something you don't see. But being a church that says they have great Bible teaching, but they live the word of God out. That when people come here, they see believers being true and genuine in their faith. That's what we need. That's what people behind us need. That's what people before us need. They need. God is calling us to be real with ourselves and to be genuine in what it is that we say we believe. And so this morning, this message is focused on being authentic in your faith. You can name this being authentic in your faith or, being, or living to the glory of God because that's what we've been created for. Or you can say, and as you will see in James, producing the righteousness of God, meaning living right before God, being real with what it is that we say we believe. And yes, I will repeat that because that has to be a ringing sound in our ears today as we walk out of here that we are called to be true to what it is that we say we believe. Because you're seeing a world that's dying and going to hell very, very quickly. And so as we look at James chapter 1, 
You're going to see this message focus on, we need to receive the word. Authentic faith is this, receiving the word and living it out because faith without works is dead. Like if there's going to be one statement that you remember before we fall asleep or, 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 or turn off our ears, remember this, authentic faith, true and genuine faith is faith that is received and lived out because in full honesty, faith is dead without works. James chapter 1, we jump into this point of, know this, my beloved brothers. So James here says, know this. Obviously, we understand when someone says, know this, that's an important point in our lives, right? I've had teachers say, guys, know this on the test. And I've kind of just went, yeah, who cares? But know this. James is telling us to know this. And so what is it that he's telling us to know? Because he's saying, know this, my beloved brothers, my my Christians, my fellow believers. I want you to know this. Those who profess Christ, know this. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I'll be honest with you, I've racked my brain over this, and you can ask my wife last night, I was just like, I'm like, man, I'm trying, how does that connect with the flow of thought of the rest of this passage? And I'm just going to say, I think it does plainly and clearly, and I don't want to try to expand on or make it something it's not. It's strictly saying, guys, listen, the anger of man, anger, Christians, and non-Christians, we realize that anger is not good, right? We know anger creates us to do things that we don't want to do, say things we don't want to say, And what he's saying here, James is saying, Christians, listen, living in a world of sin, living in a world of trials and temptations and things that you're faced with, listen, anger towards that sin or towards those people or anger towards what it is that you see posted on on social media, whatever it is, is not going to produce the righteousness of God, meaning it is not going to make you or make the world around you live rightly before God. Anger is not the fix-all to our problems. And this hits us really hard in this, of seeing what it is that we see in the world. It's quick to get angry about maybe decisions that we see happening in the political world or we're seeing happen in schools or we're seeing happen everywhere. Because trust me, I'm there. But anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger does not make you live right before God. Receiving the word and living it out is how an undefiled and pure faith is to look. A genuine faith. I think of this anger thing, and, I, and an example of this would be on my other social media feed, my uh, Instagram. Um, <clears throat> I'm really not that much of a social media person. I just kind of like to flick through the pictures and whatever else. But I was going through, and I noticed this post, and maybe you guys have seen it, this sign that's posted and says, The root of all evil is money then why do churches ask for it? And I've had people, you know, even fellow believers post on there and laugh and, and, and whatever else. But this, but this kid specifically wants nothing to do with God at all. And this was his pun underneath it was to say, hey, this is what's wrong with Christians. This is what's wrong with churches. And I just, it just, it just stirred me. I was like, you, you, wait, wait, wait. That's not what it says. And so... In my moment, which I still think is, is in a righteous moment, the first part was, I said, actually, 
It's the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Like, it's not, the, it's not money. Like, you need money to live. If that's the root of evil, then we're all evil. But the love of that, making that your control. And so I made that post, and he wanted to reply back, and it started this little social media little war, which I do not recommend. But it, he started back, and he said, and his name's Andy. He said, Andy 3.3 says, and he had a lot of choice of words and lighting up and mocking Scripture, right? Because I gave him the passage and went along with it. And I truly was approaching him saying, look, it's not true. I just want you to know that. That's not what we say. And, and if there's churches that are saying that, then they're obviously wrong or, or not standing right before that anyway. But he comes back. And so I make a post. I had, to, I mean, I was like, Whew. I was like, yeah, like this, he's going to convert. You know, it's like one of those moments where you're like, you're going to punch somebody and it's going to make them convert. So I had this long post, though. And my wife, my lovely wife, said, I just want to ask you, David, like, is that showing the love of God? And I went, no. I thought it did because there were sarcastic remarks pointing to and alluding to Scripture. Like, it, it looked Christianized. But out of my anger, because of what he was saying and mocking my God and what I believe, I started reacting. And it's interesting because Proverbs 14.29, if you want to turn there real quick, Proverbs 14, actually you don't have to because we don't have a lot of time, but Proverbs 14.29 says this, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Listen, that's some wisdom. What happens is out of our anger we don't understand. We can't understand. Because you're acting out of your emotion, any emotion can create you and lead you astray. So what James is saying here, listen guys, anger. It's not going to be anger that fixes and makes you live right before God. And he goes on then into this. um, He goes on then into verse 21. And he says this, because as we are talking about this, remember this is labeled authentic faith. How do we have true and genuine faith? And how do we live that out before God? And here's what he goes on and says. He says, therefore, so since anger is not going to be your fix it all and being angry at the world and angry at what people are doing or angry at your temptations or even being angry at your own sin, since that's not going to save you or produce righteous living, then what he says is, therefore... Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, when you take a first glance at this, it's almost like you can kind of see, well, then I need to clean myself, my life up first, and then I need to come to the word of God. I need to receive the word of God. Here's what he's saying. Therefore, Believers, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. He's saying, believers, put off the sinful way of living. If you're professing Christ, put off the sinful lifestyles, the fleshly desires. Put away the pornography. Put away the disobedience. Put away the anger. Put away the lying. Put these things away, believers. Put away all of the wickedness and rampant and rampant wickedness and um, all the filthiness in your life. Put away sin. Quit living in sin. Quit living as the world lives. But here's what he's saying to unbelievers. You are wicked and filthy without God. You are a sinner. And what he's saying is to non-believers, if you're not a believer here today, he's saying you have to come in order to receive the word of God or even come to God, you have to recognize that you are wicked and you are filthy and that you are in need of a Savior. 
that you are in need of a Savior. To recognize that Jesus Christ is the only way. That Jesus Christ, He came, He died, He rose again, and He will be back. But not there. The gospel don't end there. He calls us to repentance. And that's what this is calling us to. It's calling us to repentance. Believers and non-believers. Because here's the deal. Repentance don't just come one moment in your life and then it's done. Repentance is a lifelong thing. It's taking the posture of saying, God, I am filthy and I am wicked and I am in need of you. And unless you can recognize that, then you can't do the rest. And he says, look, it's not that you getting rid of these things or doing these things that's going to save you, but he's saying you have to come humbly before the word of God. And he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And he says, and receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness. And what he is saying is as you put these things away, you need to come and receive the implanted word. That is not just coming and hearing and listening or memorizing scripture. I mean, he is saying you need to come humbly before God with meekness, which is humbleness, right? But with a teachable spirit. So in order for us to have authentic, true, genuine faith is that we have to come to God's word with a teachable spirit, recognizing what the importance of and recognizing that it's a living word that changes us, shapes us, and molds us. Receiving it is letting the potter shape the clay. Receiving the word does consist, though, of memorizing it, of studying it. And you're not able to do those things within the first two minutes of your day. This takes time. This takes energy. This actually takes reading our Bibles, spending time in it daily, saying, God, what is it that you have? Because here's the thing. Here's how we receive our instruction. Go ahead and turn to Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The word of God is going to correct us, is going to train us on how to live correctly and appropriately before God. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Receiving the word of God is recognizing that, that the word of God is true, living, and active. If you don't believe that, then you're going to consistently live in a world full of mess. Living right before God means we must first receive the Word of God. Not just the message of salvation, but receiving the whole Word of God that calls us to obedience, to live in reflection of Christ the Savior. And we move on 
in verses 22, and it says this, But be doers. So receive the implanted word. Believers, the word is implanted on your hearts. You have the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And Nick and I were talking about this this week in the office, and it was like, listen, the Holy Spirit isn't some passive spirit inside of you that's like, well, if you want to serve your fleshly desires, go right ahead. I don't care. That's up to you. And he's just sitting there like this. No, the Spirit is convicting you. If you're a believer in Christ, if you're deciding to live in sin, you're living through some deep conviction. And so what he's saying is as you are receiving the implanted word, the word that's on your heart that's been given to you in Christ because you have called on him as Lord and Savior, he is saying this then, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you're someone who hears the word, studies the word and just sees it, but you don't do the word, you don't live out the word, you're deceiving yourselves. It's a false religion. It's good that you know truth. That's good. That's good that we spend time in this. But if you walk away from there and live in your sin and don't even care, you're deceiving yourself. Knowing the word is good. But doing the word and knowing the word is what faith really is. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself... And goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now I know this isn't true for us, right? When you think about looking in the mirror, I always make fun of Jack because he always likes looking in my mirror in my office. I'm sorry. I just, that's the only reason I have a mirror in my office is so when Jack comes in, he can look at it. Um, I look at it myself too. I'm just, you know, want to make sure. <clears throat> but think about how silly that is. Would any of you look in the mirror, see something that's wrong, recognize that something is wrong, and then just walk away and forget about it. Would any of you guys do that? Because I know there's some people that are willing to be late for whatever it is, just to make sure that their hair and their curls are right. Guys, to make sure that their hair, I'm worse than Jen, actually, making sure that my hair is laying the correct way, and whatever it is, or whatever it is I'm wearing, matches and does things. But you would never look in the mirror at yourself, and then recognize that there's something wrong, recognize that there's some changing, and walk away, and then completely forget who you even were, what you look like, or anything. Would you? So here's what they're saying. So here's what James is saying. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. We have to be able to approach the word of God, recognizing that it shapes us and teaches us and trains us up in righteousness, helps us to live rightly before God and actually act upon that. Again, this is what our world and our culture needs to see. Someone who is willing to humbly approach the Word of God and say, God, I don't want to just approach this to make this my checkoff list, but I want to approach this and say, God, what is it that I am being that I need to be shown that I need to do differently? God, speak to me in and through your Word. But the one who looks into the perfect law, and this is verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
So the person who looks at the perfect law, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and recognizes that and perseveres in that and takes the word of God, uses it each and every single day and doesn't just do it occasionally, but takes it and applies it each and every single day. They persevere in that. He will be blessed for his doing. Real quick, turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, and as we see, this is a good picture of faith that is shown by their works. And go ahead and turn to Matthew 25, 35 to 45. For I was hungry. Actually, I'm going to read in verse 31. Sorry, in verse 31. Sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a a read, but here we go. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate, separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom of God, prepared for you at the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then he will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or strange, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, in the, or in the prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it. To me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We show what it is that we truly believe by our actions, by serving people, loving others, not being angry at them, not cursing them, not whatever else, but actually showing that. Because ultimately, what you're doing by loving others and doing things for others and doing the Word of God is you are living to the glory of God. You're serving them because of Christ. You love them because Christ loves them. This is faith that is shown by works. Going back to our text then, he continues on, if anyone thinks he is religious, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. If anyone thinks he is religious, who is actually living a religious life and doing well, but he, and he goes on to say, but can't bridle his tongue, meaning can't control his mouth or control what it is that he says, then here's the thing, your religion is worthless if you can't even do that. And I'm going to go on to say this, and not adding anything into the word, but what he's saying here is if you can't act upon what it is that you say you believe, guess what? Your religion is worthless. What you're living in is just a repetitive lifestyle of worthlessness. 
This could also say, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not stop looking at pornography, then he deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. If this person cannot stop being disobedient to their parents, then what's happening is your religion is worthless. If this person cannot stop lying, if this person cannot stop living in a lifestyle of drugs and, and whatever else, then this person's religion is worthless. If we cannot stop living in our sin and do these things, our religion is worthless. What we say we believe is worthless. Apparently, you don't think it's good enough to apply to your life. Someone who truly looks at the Word of God and recognizes as true and living, they show that they recognize as true and living by how they apply it to their lives. People seeing it, seeing it lived out, putting feet to it, not allowing for it to fall on just deaf ears. And he goes on and says, religion that is pure and undefiled. And this goes back to understanding how do we live righteous before God? How do we live to the glory of God? How do we have true and authentic faith? It goes on, and religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Again, an action. That's not the only way, though, to just go visit orphans and widows. Like, well, I'm good. I visited an orphan today and I visited a widow today. Like, I'm good. No, this is what he's saying is you're putting action to what it is that you say you believe. This may mean serving in the local church. This may mean actually talking to our neighbor about Jesus Christ. This may mean not just telling our kids what to do, but actually doing it ourselves in our own homes. And then he says, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And if you think about that for a second, this hit hard because it's one of those things where I think a lot of people, believers especially, are trying to be more and more conformed to the world because they want to reach the world. So they want to be more like the world. False. We have to remain unstained from the world. So when we talk about gray areas in the Bible, well, can I do that? Can I do this? Think about this for a second. Am I being more stained by the world or am I unstained? Am I living more like the world when I do that? So when you're thinking of whatever it is that you could possibly be thinking of and and about to take action to, I challenge you in a culture today that you see more and more living wickedly and foolishly, think twice about what it is that you're going to do and is it going to be more Am I being more stained by the world? Am I looking more like the world than I am like Christ? And that gets rid of every gray area. Because you know why? Your focus is not on your Christian liberty. Your focus is on what God wants me to do. And that means if I have to set aside whatever it is I'm free to do for the gospel, I will. Because that's what Christ did. Right? He set aside. He was still gloryful. But he set aside. That's not even a word, but we'll work with it. He set aside... Himself and sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth to die a death that we all deserve. I know I'm going to get mocked like this at, 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 yep, at the office this week, but <clears throat> he set aside that to send himself to send his son Jesus Christ so that we can have life. We're to set aside our own freedoms that we like to have. Set those aside and be more focused on what it is that Christ is calling you, what God the Father is calling you to be like, and that is to be an imitator of Christ. And you can turn to Romans 12.2 real quick. Romans 12.2. 
Damn, I don't know where Romans is at right now. Found it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What it is that you think about doing, line it up. Does this show Christ or not? Your ministry of God's word is more important than what you're personally able to do. Your freedom to do. God's word is more important than what it is that you're personally free to do. If that keeps you from ministry, shame on you. If you'd rather do something else because someone has asked you not to do something because it's going to impact the ministry of the church or whatever it is, shame on you. Are you, will- you should be willing to set aside whatever it is that you have this issue with to set that aside and say that this is to the glory of God and it's not for my own glory. I need to think about what it means to represent Christ, not myself. And then real quick, James 2, 14 to 26, um, it says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Can a faith without works save him? Because here's the deal. Faith is by believing in doing. That's real faith. A faith that just has one or the other is not real. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And this comes common very much in our Christianized world, is, oh, I know there's a need, I'm going to pray for you. That's good. Pray for one another. But if you have the means to help whoever it is that is in need of something, please give them that. Because that is actually showing that you care and love. Yes, pray for them. But if God has given you something to give to somebody else, then do that. Again, it's attaching the works along with what it is that you say you believe. And one of, and, uh, and it says in verse 17, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Something we should all be saying. I will show you my faith by the way that I live my life. Truly. You believe that God is one, you do well. Because even the demons believe and shudder. That's great that we believe that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die, rise again, and to come back one day. That's great. Here's the thing. The demons were obedient. Sometimes the the demons were more obedient than us. When He said, gone, they were gone. (laughs) They knew and they recognized. Even the demons believe that truth and know that is truth. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Now here's the deal. I want to make sure this is known. I don't want to be speaking. And you think, you walk away here and say, well, David says, work harder, do better. That's what we're called to do. No, 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 no. I'm not saying faith comes by works. You don't get saved by your works. We know that, right? Like We don't get saved by the good things that we do. You get saved because of Jesus Christ, because your faith is in Christ. And you show that faith, true faith. You can say all you want, raise our hands all we want, and cry before God. But if the thing is, if you're not living out what it is that you say you believe, guess what? It's not me saying this. It's God's Word saying it's worthless. We have to be believers that do, because there is a generation. And I know my mind is focused on the younger ones, because that's just where my heart and my passion is, just as with everybody else. But... 
strictly there for right now, is this, is that they need to see parents, grandparents, fathers, mothers. They need to see friends, brothers, and sisters living to the glory of God. They don't need people who know the Word of God and don't do anything with it. They need true, gospel-loving believers in Christ living it out before them. And you as a father or as a mother need to recognize that. As a brother, as an uncle, as a friend need to recognize. this. What I see is wrong doesn't need me yelling and screaming at them or just telling them it's wrong. What they need is you and me living it out each and every day. Even when it's hard, even when it's tough and you are struggling in your own mess, you have to recognize that one day we will be in glory before God the Father and worshiping Him. Genuine faith is something that's received and lived out. Genuine faith is not just something you know. It's something that you do. So I plead with you, as Paul pleads with us, make this real. Don't make this a routine thing. Don't find yourself just living in the routine way of living to one day look back and go, man, I messed up. Take the challenge to humbly come before God's word and say, God, what is it that I need to change? God, what is it that's in my life? And if you don't know where to go and you're sitting here, I don't even know where to go, just start reading. (laughs) Because if you believe the word of God is true, then you know that God's going to speak to you through it. But you have to recognize your need for it. Guys, authentic faith is faith that is received and lived out. Because real faith, real faith, is done and shown through our works.